When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitcherlist Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I'm your host, Cal Nussler, joined as always by my friends Rick Graham and Jay Crumpler. Guys, how are we doing today after uh, getting to witness some baseball history on Wednesday night? Yes, it was some. It was baseball history indeed. Um, almost saw some baseball history tonight as well with Brian Bayo, unfortunately didn't end as well but um yeah it's it's you know it was an interesting uh interesting outing last night and it was you know it's the a's but still a perfect game is a perfect game yeah uh couldn't have happened to a better person <laughs> was, was uh not not my ideal choice for the next perfect game I mean, playing against like a team that's actively trying to be bad in uh, a stadium like that with, uh, I don't know, the the history that he has breaking a record by such a beloved player sort of sucks in in so many different facets. But, you know, perfect games, a perfect game. But, you know, he's not even a reliever. He sort of screwed us out of having more content Mm -hmm. would have been much better if some relievers got into that game. But nonetheless, we've got enough to talk about regardless. Yeah, I think the Yankees also screwed it out of that by scoring 11 runs and not letting uh, Clay Holmes or any of the big name relievers come in for a save. But like I said, history is history. I, as a Yankee fan, I'm happy to see my team make history. Not so much the, the pitcher did it, but, you know, it's baseball history. So as fans, we have to appreciate that part of it. We don't have to be a fan of who did it. But enough about that. He, like you said, he was not a reliever. So it really is not too much of a story for us. But on this episode, we're going to go into some trying to do a little predictions. We do a lot of predicting of who's going to lead the team in saves, all that stuff. We're looking into the future. Who's going to break into what tier? We have about three, four tiers of relievers we're grouping in and trying to predict next big names. So it may be good for right now, but also you know, a little bit of look in the future. So maybe this is actually somewhat useful for dynasty leagues, but we all know how difficult it is to try and predict uh, relievers fears down the future but we're gonna do our best to try and do that because this week was a little bit lighter on news and we'll start as we always do with the injuries and i guess the biggest injury would be uh, brock stewart placed on the 15 day il with right elbow soreness he's been someone who's kind of been in the mix for saves for his team what do you guys think all right sorry it's holds his next man up what do you guys think the impact of that is does anybody step up to fill that void and uh, become next man up uh, yeah, it's, he was kind of a guy they were leaning on. That's a big, big blow to that bullpen right now. And they're already down. I mean, they're down a bunch of names already. So <clears throat> now you're looking at, I mean, Emilio Pagano all of a sudden has to step into some somewhat of a big role, um, you know, potentially get some some big innings out of Josh Winder or a couple of these other, you know, former starting pitcher uh, prospects that they have at the back end of their bullpen. Um, for a team that's still, you know, despite how bad they've been playing, still, you know, in first place in their division, it's um, it's definitely a big, a big loss for them. Yeah, I mean, we might finally see Emilio Pagan get his first hold. Mm. He's uh, zero saves plus holds this year after having like 16 last year. So pretty uh, big drop out of the high leverage situation. Somewhat warranted, but he's been pretty solid this year, but mostly because he's not been giving up home runs, which mostly a, a luck factor there. So I think Griffin Jax's role gets pretty integral in that bullpen and Giovanni Moran should probably continue to move up as he's the top left-handed option there and probably the number three option, maybe even the number two, depending on how uh, Rocco Baldelli feels about Emilio Pagan. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We all know Duran's going in for saves, but uh, who becomes that next person up? Who knows if... Uh Maybe Jorge Lopez when he comes back. I know he's currently on the IL for mental health reasons, and you know we'll see when he gets back. But there's no real timetable for that. But if he comes back, just 
because he's had that role in the past, maybe he can work his way back and uh, sort of take over that role. But I like the names you guys mentioned there. Next injury up is uh, Steven Wilson, placed on the 15-day L with a wrecked pectoral strain for San Diego Padres. He's another one, kind of been close to the next man up for the Padres for Josh Hader. He's kind of been in the middle of relief setup sort of role. Any impact fantasy-wise on getting holds out in the Padre pen? Yeah, that's an, another one that's a, a huge loss for a team that's really, you know, fighting right now to kind of figure things out. Uh, I mean, as, as we stand right now, it's 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 kind of wild to think that we might see the Padres and Mets both as like sellers because they're they're really not, you know, they're they're far away from a playoff spot as it stands. And part of it's this, this Padres bullpen has not been reliable outside of Josh Hader and Wilson was the only other guy they could really trust. So. Um. Yeah, I this this bullpen's. I don't know if I really like anyone. Nick Martinez has been bad lately. I don't know. Tim Hill. Tim Hill's been in a pretty pretty decent from the left side for them. Uh, doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but he, he does his job. And you know, outside of that, it's you know, you, it, it's really nothing to like in this bullpen. Luis, Luis Garcia has been been awful as well this year, and he's been battling injuries himself. So. Until they get Wilson back and Robert Suarez back, hopefully um, this bullpen's kind of uh, stay away from it. Yeah, recovered it all there. I think definitely uh, lots of disappointing injuries and performances thus far this year. And Wilson was one of the bright spots. He was sort of holding that bullpen together. And now with him gone, they're going to be really relying heavily on Hader and hopefully some better second halves from Luis Garcia and Nick Martinez. But yeah, I mean, considering the way the Padres have been playing this year, they could, they're going to need a lot of help in more than just the bullpen. Yeah, Padres are in a mess. You see some of the reports that are coming out with the clubhouse being in disarray. It wouldn't shock me at all if, like you said, they'll be selling at the trade deadline. Not something we exactly would have predicted at this point about three months ago before the season started. The final couple injuries, we'll just rapid fire through if any thing an impact just let me know jose leclerc placed on the 15 day il with a shoulder strain um, strain right ankle excuse me i read the wrong one luke jackson 15 day il with a lower back strain and will vest 15 day il with a right lower leg strain none of these guys have really been as impactful for fantasy we did mention luke jackson's name to monitor uh, in the past so any of these have fantasy viability for you anything for holds leagues not, not really. I mean, it's kind of it sucks about Leclerc. He was starting to pitch pitch better before he went on the IL. Um, probably wasn't looking at you know working his, his way into a setup role potentially, but he, he was just you know it's good to see him pitching better after a rough start to the year. Um, the other two, yeah, didn't really have much value anyway. Yeah, I, I thought Jackson was was working his way up. He still hadn't gotten a save plus hold, but he had a 2.16 ERA and a 30% strikeout rate. So I thought it was only a matter of time, especially considering the way that they're like using their bullpen in San Francisco, just a bunch of bulk relievers, which is very interesting. Uh, like their bullpen is like five bulk relievers deep, maybe even six. Um, so Jackson was one of the few alongside the Rogers twins to not be not fit that mold. So I thought he might be the third option for holds, but you know we'll have to wait until he gets back. Yeah, I'm gonna we'll keep an eye on those all over two V transactions. This one has some sort of viability. Matt Bush activated in 15 DIL from right rotator cuff tendonitis. He's someone who was seen to be the next guy up for the Milwaukee Brewers. Do we see him as a viable uh, holds candidate out in Milwaukee, or what's your read as the next guy to get to Devin Williams? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible, uh, especially when you look at that next transaction on the list with Peter Strezlecki being optioned to the minors. I think that opens the door for for Bush to kind of work his way right back into a setup role with um, behind Devin Williams. So, um, you know, I'm always concerned. He's he's has a long injury history. He's up there in age. I'm not. You know, getting too excited, but he's definitely a name to monitor if you're in holds leagues because he, he was really good down the stretch last year. Wow, that's crazy. He's already 37. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> I still like remember this. I mean, this is a former number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Um, yeah, he's not he's not pitched too well thus far this year. Seven point four five ERA, but that's in a small sample of nine point two innings. And he was really solid last year. Three point four seven ERA to go along with a three point two eight FIP and a thirty percent strikeout rate. So if he can get back to that level, that would be awesome. But like Rick said getting up there in age. He's got a long injury history. They're going to go easy on him, but this bullpen is pretty light on talent with like Joel Piamps and Elvis Peguero and Hobie Milner being the top three options. And none of those guys are household names despite having pitched pretty solidly this year. So definitely room for Bush to jump in there, but I wouldn't say they're going to be super, uh, like they're they're not going to be super urgent in trying to get him into that uh, high leverage role. Yeah, we talked about, like you said, you mentioned Peter excuse me, option to be minors, so we don't have to go into that one as in-depth. All-star Joe Mantiply was option to the minors. This is not something we fully expected, which caused Kevin Ginkle to be called, recalled from minors. Any viability for this Arizona mix? We'll get to you know Scott McGuff, how well he's been pitching, but we see Ginkle make his way back in as Mantiply finds his way back up down the road. Yeah, I would definitely not counting out Mantiply, you know, the rest of the season. I think we'll we'll definitely see him again. Um, Ginkle, yeah, like we talked about when Ginkle got sent down, it was kind of surprising because he hasn't, he's, he's pitched pretty well for the most part for them. So um, I don't know if he works his way back into a save plus holds type mix because there are a few names. They have Adam, Chafin, Castro, McGow, McGuff, um, sorry all ahead of him. Uh, Kyle Nelson's kind of that second lefty now that Mantiply is, is not on the roster and he's pitched well this year. So again, there's, there's some names to kind of to, to fight through for Ginkle to have relevance, but um, yeah, he, he's pitched well and this, this bullpen's turned out to be not, not so bad after all. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of been a, they've had a lot of strengths. They've had a great season, but the, the bullpen's a big part of that. Top ten bullpen in baseball, maybe. Yeah, maybe all the pieces there, yeah. And you know, hey, Mark Melanson's coming back soon, so. Oh, that'll that'll drag him down for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, we all know that no. Joe that Mark Melanson's going to come in and take all our Scott Scott McGuff intrigue and uh, toss it out the window. And finally, Brandon Hughes and Cody Hoyer out for the season. Not too much fancy viable, but that takes away from some of the Brandon Hughes intrigue that we had at the beginning of the season. And Cody Hoyer, just hope he finds his way back because he has the stuff where people have been kind of pining for him mm-hmm. as a possible closer out in Chicago. Yeah, both of those losses hurt a little bit. I was just looking forward to both of them this year, seeing what Hoyer could do once he got back. So, yeah, tough, tough, uh, tough for the Cubs and for those guys. Yeah, hate to see anybody get injured at all, especially for the rest of the season. But I did try to warn you about Brandon Hughes in the mm. preseason. <laughs> Not that I was expecting him to. Uh, wh- what injury does he have? He's got a really weird one. Weird knee injury. It's, yeah, and he's yeah. getting some, like crazy surgery. Yeah. He, I don't think he's going to pitch until spring training. Underwent surgical debridement of his left yeah. knee. Wow. So I read that. I was like, I, that doesn't sound. He, his left knee was married, and now yeah. he no longer has a bride. <laughs> <laughs> well done well done i didn't know how we where we were going with that but we landed that ship pretty well so let's move over to the risers and fallers in the ranks and get to some of the more impactful names for fantasy we'll start with our risers from the past week rick we'll start with you who has moven up in the ranks over uh since last time we spoke um it's a couple of the same names that we've had because you know it's it was a kind of a short week. Not a lot of teams played six or six or more games, so uh, I'll go with Craig Kimbrell again just because it does seem like he's you know he's established he's pulling away from Jose Alvarado uh, as far as any sort of committee goes there, um, and he's you know he's been pitching. I don't want to say he's his old self because the velo is not there, but he's making it work. He's, you know, over his last 19 innings, a 1.42 ERA, 0.63 whip, 38.9% K to walk rate, which, you know, very good, obviously. Um, the thing with Alvarado is, is that he he's kind of been struggling too lately, and I he's pushing himself. himself. It's not like Kimbrell's just running away with it, which he is, but Alvarado is... Starting to walk people again. Um, 
that was not an issue pre-injury, but now coming back from the injury, it's it's almost like he's reverted back to his pre-Phillies self, which it's still early. He can change things, but it's definitely a concern for me a little bit. Um, just, you know, I think Kimbrough now is, is one of the more safer, you know, closers to before I was probably going to tell you to go after Scott Barlow, but I, I would say Kimbrough's like moved above that tier and um, kind of in with like the Paul Seawalt's now. Yeah. So it seems like more so that he's rising because of the lack of uh, Alvarado being good anymore and not that he's been bad but just like yeah his falling has sort of it's a pushed. combination yeah yeah exactly i mean because he's only gotten one save in the past two weeks so it's not like he's rising up because he's getting a ton of saves or anything um yeah but he has been pitching well you know 1.35 yeah. era across his last 20 innings that's that's a pretty long time it comes with 35 strikeouts so the strikeouts are back he's not walking anybody so he's looking like old kimbrell and uh, like the beginning of the season struggle sort of way down his season long numbers. But since he's become the closer, he's been really good. And like I've said in the past, like being able to use Alvarado whenever you want, rather than having to leave him in that closer role, definitely helps out that bullpen. But yeah, I definitely agree with, you know, since Alvarado's not looking otherworldly like he was in mm-hmm. April, then it's sort of like, okay, yeah, we can sort of go with Kimbrel because he's actually looking like old Kimbrel. And that's, that's about all you could ask for from Kimbrel is just for him to be really good as the closer. And then just, you know, be like, okay, good. You've done your job. Stay there. Yeah. He's, he's been good. And there's a lot of, he said, all the Alvarado struggles, he's kind of taking that job and, uh, ran with it at this point. So he'll be interesting. You never know if this Philadelphia mix, and I don't think that he's going to keep it for, the full rest of the season. I think Alvarado's going to work his way back, but I'm liking what I'm seeing from there. Jake, we'll go over to you. Who's your biggest riser? Uh, I'm going back to Scott McGuff. I'm pretty sure we did him last week, but yeah, I mean, he's looking pretty clearly like the closer in Arizona, though he did blow a save on Wednesday night. It comes after just a couple days after he got a, a four out save. So I've been feeling pretty good about him recently. This is another one of those guys where if you take out those early season numbers and he looks a lot better recently, 1.35 ERA in his last 26 and two thirds innings, not a lot of strikeouts, 34, still uh, more than a strikeout per nine, but he, he's looking like the guy that they would trust in Arizona. I think Miguel Castro is Fallen out of favor, though he's still getting holds, and Andrew Chafin is looking like the high leverage guy. I think they want Scott McGuff to be the closer, and despite a couple of blowups, which can happen from time to time because he's a guy who relies on a splitter, so it's going to be more so relying on feel and and how the splitter's looking from night to night, and it's a lot of control, but I, I think he's going to be pretty solid throughout the year, and can't forget, Diamondbacks are a first-place team, so if you're Scott McGuff and you got a sub-three ERA, sub-two ERA across the past... Uh, month and a half I, I i feel pretty good about that yeah i think he's safer than you know an alzali or a jordan hicks right now because i i feel like there's a little bit more even with the blown save last night i'm, I'm not panicking too much I, I think there's just there's more um of an opportunity for him to just take the role and run with it whereas the other guys kind of in that that like last year i have is or second to last year there's you know Hicks is going to have some competition when he comes back potentially and or when Helsley comes back and um Alzali there's still you know Mark Leiter still lurking around there's other relievers in that bullpen that are pitching well and it's not like Alzali has really done anything to run away with it so yeah I, I like McGuff as you know that he's a solid third closer if you're leaning on him to be like your second closer you might you might need to uh, go out and make a move but um yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking McGuff for the rest of the year for Arizona. I'm liking him too, but there's still that thought through me that they're going to go out and acquire somebody. I know we joked about Mark mm-hmm. Melanson taking a job when he comes back, but it wouldn't shock me if they go for somebody in the trade deadline. Uh, I don't know who exactly yet. I'd have to you know, look into a little bit more, but he said, bless. He did get that four out save, but he did give up three hits during it. I know he's taking this job and he's pitched well besides those last two outings. So I still think he has the job. But the fact they are a first place team, they have made the switch quick. I do think they won't hesitate to go back to a Chafin or if Castro starts pitching well again, go back to a Miguel Castro. This isn't me saying that you should drop Scott McGuff or try and get rid of him. Ride the hot hand while you have it. But just be ready to make the pivot. I don't 
think he has as full of a secure job on with this team as uh, we would hope. But as for now, hold on to it. But start having some plans in the back of your mind as to uh, as to who may who uh, someone may come in and take that job from him. And finally, my my riser is just giving an excuse to talk about this guy. It's Hunter Harvey. We finally at the point where he can be called their closer. He's come in and gotten the past couple of save opportunities for them. They're saves for the Nationals, but I think there's no other guy coming in to take that role. He's pitched very well these past few times out. He's got that lights out fastball. Who knows how long it's going to go? I think if you'd like to continue to pitch well, they may move him at the trade deadline. But as of now, if Hunter Harvey's still out there, you will get him get a couple saves before a month from now when he's more than likely pitching for another team. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's, you, you, yeah, it's, if he does get traded, you don't know, you might only get one or two saves by that, by that point. But I, I think there's a chance he sticks around and, um, you know, he, it's great to see him now. He's, I think we get safe to say that he's the Nationals closer. He hasn't pitched exactly, you know, great since he took over. Um, and there's not a, a lot of swing and miss in, in his repertoire right now. Um, if he flashes it with, you know, his fastball splitter sometimes, but it's really, it would be nice to see him add like some sort of breaking ball that could get help with um, getting righties out more often. Um, but he's still, he's still the best option in that Nationals bullpen. I definitely would rather see him closing out games than Kyle Finnegan. So I'm all for this change. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of good closers right now and, He's not in the top twenty for me, but he's he's still worth rostering in most leagues. I think. Yeah, I'm, that's uh, the lack of a secondary is also always what uh, worried me about Harvey coming into this year. The fastball is definitely elite, but it comes with nothing else. The splitters are right, but I, I think he's working in a slider a little bit more than he did last year. It's at like twelve percent right now. He threw it zero last year, so I, I think he's trying to work in a slider, which it's performed well thus far because I think it catches batters off off balance, but I don't think it's got the movement profile that you want to see for a slider like that. But I think the craziest part about Hunter Harvey taking over the closer role, the timing is so weird. Like I would have understood at the beginning of the season in April or May when Kyle Finnegan had a five plus ERA, but he's been actually good across the last couple of months. His season long ERA is now well below four. And I remember when it was like close to six, it's at 3.66 right now. And across since he, he had like a five run blow up in his third game. And that came two games after a two run, two run run blow up in his first game of the season. So if you cut out his first three games, he's got a 1.82 ERA in his last 29 and two thirds innings pitched. That comes with 33 strikeouts as well. So it's just so weird that he's been like actually very solid across the past couple of months, two and a half months even. Um, and then now they're like, okay, now we'll switch it over. I, I don't know what the point of that is. Maybe they're just trying to get Harvey into that closer role to make him a trade candidate. But I think Finnegan's the more likely to be traded than Harvey. But yeah, Harvey is definitely somebody I own in multiple leagues. So it's not like that's turning me away. I, I've, I've been excited to see him finally get used in that role. I just thought it's very weird timing. But I don't know. Davey Martinez probably losing his mind with all these base path calls. Yeah, you know, I think you're fully fully right there. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from him and hoping that it continues because we've been calling for this for pretty much the entire season. And the fantasy community has been calling for this for a few years now, back when he was in Baltimore. So hopefully he keeps this rolling. And as we have people rise up in the ranks, there's going to be the followers. So Rick, who's dropped the most over the past couple games or so? Um, so not a lot dropped this week. I, again, it's, it's been, it's for the year. It's, it's crazy to think that I know I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Um, there hasn't been really any of these, any good, any really top two, three tier closer. No one's really lost the job this season. So, um, I'm going to go with someone who I didn't drop, but I think people probably are curious as to what's going on with, uh, rise Iglesias because, uh, he has not been pitching well in June. This is, you know, as of Tuesday, he after, he had 12 innings through the month of June and had, with a 5.25 ERA and a 1.42 WHIP. That did, however, come off a 17 to 1 K to walk rate, um, which is like, uh, you, you know, obviously that's a good sign. 
You know, he had a bloated 4.3, uh, 4.33 BABIP and a 1.61 XFIP for, for June. So despite the ERA and the whip looking bad, it's he's still dealing with some bad luck. I think that's pretty much what we can chalk it up to. And I know it's it's we're getting into July almost. We want to, you know, if you drafted him, you wanted him to be your, you know, closer one, getting a bunch of, you know, saves, helping ratios and strike getting strikeouts. So it's been frustrating, but I think, you know, you just have to hold steady and um, kind of just wait things out with him. And and if, you know, a team in your league, uh, the manager's getting frustrated with them, definitely, you know, now would be the time to buy low as we, we head into the second half of the year. Yeah, I have lots of confidence that Iglesias is going to figure it out. His skills are just so good, so solid from year to year. And his XFIP is actually lower than it was last year, a year in which he had a 2.47 ERA. So I feel pretty confident that the home runs are going to come down a bit. The Babbitt's going to drop from 340 and he'll have a great second half on one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned with Razzle Iglesias. I know there's a lot of good arms in that pen, but he's still the one who's the best. He deserves to be falling a little bit and the concerns are valid, but he said he's pitching for Atlanta. He's ultimately going to turn things around. He's too talented not to. So I'll buy low on him if I can. I'm still trusting him to be my reliever one at this point, a very high end reliever too. Jake over to you. Who is another faller this past week? Well, I'm going to leave the Yankees guy for you. And then I'm actually going to absolve myself of any uh, questions here by turning it back around to Rick and asking him, why does he have Jordan Hicks falling? Because I don't No one pitched poorly this week. There hasn't been a lot. I I didn't really have anyone (laughs) fall Um, with Hicks. It's just the thing. Well, first of all, Alec Burleson looked pretty good out of the bullpen today for the Cardinals. (laughs) So he might be a threat to uh, Hicks. No, I mean, it's just. You know, like I kind of mentioned with McGuff, it's, you know, there's he's the only guy in that fourth tier, which is, you know, kind of the committee tier. He's the only one that really has some competition potentially on the way back in Ryan Helsley. And I know Giovanni Gallegos has not pitched well lately, but he's still not someone I would forget about. Um, So it's really just for Hicks. It's just, you know, the upside is huge and I still want to roster him, but there are more question marks, I feel like, with his role moving forward than a lot of other names here. And and that could change, you know, as we get closer to July and we hear more rumors about Scott Barlow being on the move and, you know, stuff like that. But but for now, it's it's just hard to to roster him over a lot of these names that are more secure. Yeah, very fair points. He does have a lot of competition there and and he hasn't had the closer role for that long and it took a couple of injuries and underperformance by Gallegos across the past couple of weeks to slide into that role. But I, I would love to see him hold on to that role. I think he definitely has the skills, but it's it's one of those situations where it's all up to the manager here. I think just that that lack of certainty, uh, confidence in him having the role definitely can inspire uh, at least a slight drop. Yeah, it's, you know, it's St. Louis. They've always done the committee approach. So I don't know if they're not going to hesitate to make the switch if need be. So it's just something to keep in mind. But like Rick said, you don't drop Jordan Hicks. He's still the, the lead guy. But any switch could happen at any moment. And you left the Yankee guy for me. So I'll talk about Clay Holmes. And he's not, it's the same thing like Chris said. It's not a major drop off, but his past two outings, he didn't get saved. He came in a tie game against Texas, held the, actually gave it, gave up a run in his one inning, and then got a hold on Saturday in two thirds. So could hold a one nothing lead in the eighth. It's just a reminder that the Yankees are going to use Clay Holmes as the high leverage fireman type role. He is the guy who's probably going to lead the team in save because most of the time it's going to get him that point. But if they have a big inning in the eighth inning, get to the middle of the order and need guys to get the outs, that's who they're going to trust to get it. So while Clay Holmes is still the favorite for the Yankee bullpen for saves, it's just a reminder that he may not be the only guy in that mix. We saw Tommy Canely get a save in the past, another save in the past week. We saw Ron Marinaccio get a save in one of the games against Texas. So they're going to mix and match. They're going to get a bunch of guys in this mix, but Clay Holmes still the favorite, but just a reminder that he's not the secure, clear number one on that team. Yeah, you said it. I mean, it's really just, you know, I've been going back and forth with Holmes and thought he may have been kind of leaning towards taking back the full-time closer role last week. And now, yeah, Michael King, Peralta, Marnaccio, Cainley, they've all kind of 
mixed in here and there of saves over the past week or so. So it's still, you know, yeah, like you said, you still want to roster Holmes. That's still the, the guy here. Um, you just might not, you know, it's going to be frustrating from week to week. It, it's, it, but, but he's, he's definitely the favorite for saves. Yeah. It's hard to trust a guy that, uh, plays for a team that loses to the A's and throws perfect games and scores 10 runs a game. Not really too many opportunities for saves there. Yes, completely agree. So now we've done through the risers. We'll take a break. When we get back, we will look at those next big closers. We're going to do a little draft, go rapid fire, try and pick out some names for these tiers as guys we're monitoring down the line for the future. Have a little fun with that. So all that more on In the Pen. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, like we said, this is a little bit different than we normally do. We're going to try and predict the future, try and predict who are some guys who are going to enter certain tiers. So we've grouped them into three different tiers of picks. We're each going to pick one guy, kind of make our case for why they belong in this tier. So first one will probably be the easiest one, and then we'll dive into some more deeper names. It's the veteran Hall of Fame tier. Guys, we have it currently in there are Craig Kimbrell, Kenley Jansen. These are guys who we expect to be around until their mid-30s, secure closers who make a you know a hall of fame sort of case like Kimbrel and Jansen have done and we'll let Jake pick at the kick us off of this one so Thank Jake <laughs> give us a cool. give us your guy yeah uh I I guess I'm, I'm sort of stuck with this because I came up with it um yeah uh I think there's lots of options here and, and this is sort of difficult because relievers are so volatile not only from year to year but sort of in the way that they can get injured like we've seen with some of the top relievers recently or they can just fall off the face of the earth so you never know like what's going to happen in the future especially for some guys like six seven years from now um i think one of the biggest candidates though is for me right now is emmanuel classe that was one of the guys that i was thinking of he's on the he's sort of very on the the younger end here in terms of the guys that are up for this, but he does fit that mold of sort of what Kenley Jansen's been, where he has been a really solid closer. He relies on one pitch most of the time in, in his cutter. He does use a slider generally most of the time, but he has been so dominant throughout his career. He's got a 1.63 ERA for his career. He's already racked up 91 saves and he's only 25. So if you say he's getting, you know, 100 saves every four years or so, I mean, that's uh, by the time he's 35, he's going to be like nearing 300 saves or more. So, I mean, definitely opportunity for climbing up that that saves leaderboard and this is just a guy where it's you can project right now just based on what he's been doing that he's going to be super good and what i love the most about him is he's not been injured and he's been able to come back from underperformances we saw in the beginning of the year that you know the indian the guardian excuse me whoa uh <laughs> the guardians <laughs> trusted him despite uh underperforming in a lot of regards and and he was able to make the right adjustments and that's sort of what you want to see for a guy that's going to be a hall of fame pitcher and i think i think he's got the stuff i think he's got the determination he already shows that he's like a guy that deserves to be a closer for a long time and while he's with the guardians i don't see anybody taking over that role and then once he becomes a free agent by uh 2020 oh he's on a he's on a extension with the guardian. So he'll be there through like 2028. So I I think that gives him even more of an opportunity opportunity to maintain the closer role for that 
whole time because he won't be changing teams. There'll be a lot of loyalty there, especially when they're paying him a lot of money towards the end of that contract. So that'll be a, a lot of fun to watch. But I, that was like the first name that came up for me, although there are other very solid options. This is a guy that I feel like he's just an outlier in terms of skills. And I think that's going to come through as long as he maintains a, a closer role going forward. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the first, There were two names that came to mind for me. Uh, A was definitely one of them and Edwin Diaz as well. I I think, you know, Diaz is already at 205 saves for his career. I could definitely see him. He's, he should break 300, possibly get to 400 depending on how the back, you know, back half of his career goes. Um, But I feel like Diaz might be a little too easy. So I'm going to go with Camilo Duvall because he's, he's still only 25. He does have 53 career saves. So he's on a good, he's on a good track record now, you know, so as, as long as he as long as he holds up, I mean he, and I, I think what's great is seeing him this season, pretty much replicating, if not outperforming or you know outdoing what he did last season. He so he's still he's still maybe getting better. And like we talk about with closers, there's a lot of year to year volatility, but uh, the vol seems to be on the right track. And even in his you know short stint in 2021, you know a lot of the similar numbers. So. Uh, if he can sustain this for you know another eight to ten years, he's definitely you know potentially going to put his name into that Hall of Fame mix um, with three hundred plus saves and you know what so far has been you know good ratios and a good strikeout rate. Those are both great names. I think Camille Duvall is a very interesting one that I wouldn't have uh, have thought to put in there, but he's been that good where the giants who constantly are switching closers may have finally found their guy to hold on to. And I, I hope that's the case because he's got lights out stuff. I loved watching him pitch in the WBC. So I'm really hoping he takes that job, runs with it for the future. I regret having Jake go first because <laughs> class A was the easy call, but I don't mind taking easy calls on this show. So he would have been my pick. So I'll go with the next probably easiest call. And that's Josh Hader. At this point, he's still only 29 years old, has 150 saves already, and doesn't look like he's slowing down. He's quietly having the second-best ERA of his career this season. I knew he was pitching well, but I didn't realize it was this well. FIP-wise, it's the third-best FIP of his career, only behind 2018 and 2021. So he's looking like, if not fully prime Josh Hader, very, very close to 42 strikeouts and 28 and two-thirds. His career, 605 strikeouts and 361 innings pitch. It's not too shabby. Not too shabby. And I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. No matter where he goes, if he stays a Padre, if he gets moved at some point in the future, he's going to be a closer for a team. He's got that lights out stuff, that delivery that just works. And I think down the line, we will be talking about him as a future Hall of Famer so, or that conversation like we have with Craig Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen. So I like taking easy picks. And I think this one's a fairly easy call, but he belongs right up in that tier. And we'll be talking about him as a top, five top 10 reliever fantasy probably five years down the road like we are doing with uh or had done with craig kimbrell and kenley jansen yeah that's a that's a good call i mean that's that's a safe call now it it makes me i think we should do two names this round i feel like we need to get into some who's 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 someone who might you know have a good eight to ten years left in them that could sneak into the hall of fame you know stick it stick as a closer for some team jake who uh yeah. p fairbanks <laughs> no come on i, w- um, I wish i mean it, the thing is like when you're projecting that far into the future especially when you're thinking about guys that right now have only pitched a few years or in some cases with like doval like two or three years um it's really, it's really hard to predict that far in the future. And it's basically just like a flip of the coin. So, I mean, it, it's hard to not say Edwin Diaz, but I mean, if we're going somebody deeper, I'm Felix Bautista is looking like one of the best closers in baseball right now. He's still pretty young. He's got a big body, which usually that type of body doesn't hold up, hold up and he's already 28, but the way that he's pitching right now, I mean, he looks absolutely unstoppable. So as long as he can maintain the skills, the abilities to throw a hundred miles an hour on average and just absolutely destroy hitters uh, day in and day out. And that's a guy that uh, can get 40 saves uh, every year for the next like six years or whatever. And that's like Mm -hmm. 240 saves right there. 
Yeah, I mean, can't argue with that. That's that's a good call. It's it's for me. It's he started. He's already twenty nine. Yeah. So, I mean, he's started a little bit late, but there there's definitely if he keeps yeah like if he keeps doing what he's doing right now, then yeah, that age won't age won't matter. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I did like that call. The first one I thought of when you asked that question was maybe Rizal Iglesias, but the one mm. thing that held me back on making him my full pick is that he's already 33 years old. So he, I know we've had some concerns. I think it was really fine, but he may reach that aging curve where he just doesn't fully have that that pedigree where we you know, get yeah. down to this point. Down the road. But I, I would love to say it, but... You know, he, I was gonna say, yeah, he didn't. He didn't have enough years as a closer. He kind of started as like a starter, and then was a setup man for a while. And yeah, that's unfortunate. But yeah, that's that's a good a one. That if the save numbers were there, I, I think he would definitely have a chance. So I'll go. I, I picked Josh Hader as my first guy. So let's go a little bold here, and I'll pick a guy who's kind of been compared to Josh Hader. I'll say AJ Puck, maybe someone who enters in that conversation. He has that first round pedigree as a draft pick and he's finally coming to his own this season with the Miami Marlins I think he's he's got that stuff I think the pedigree is going to continue work he's starting to get those strikeouts CSWs up there he doesn't walk anybody everything if you go on his picture list page outside of innings is in the red and he was dealing with injury so as long as injuries stay out of it he's been an injury prone player but the stuff's there and I don't think anybody is going to come and fetch up. Maybe he doesn't stick around in Miami long term because it's space. And this is Miami and they do get rid of their guys down the road. So if he keeps going how he has been going, I think he can go get a job elsewhere. And I wouldn't mind seeing that. So I'll go bold and say at only 28 years old, AJ Puck can find his way into that conversation if he keeps this up. Yeah. Um, Again, it's gonna yeah, probably comes down to health and just having a consistent role as a closer. But yeah, that's the talent certainly there, and you know, it, yeah, it took Hater a little while to um, kind of start earning saves. So Puck's not too far behind him, but he is a little far behind him. So yeah, he'll have his work cut out for him um, to kind of break into that Hall of Fame talk. Well, you asked me to get bold, so I had to do it. <laughs> I, the, like it. I like it. Uh, the next tier is where these guys originally have come from, is the big breakout tier. Guys who, in a year or so, are going to come out of the blue, have been pitching well, but are going to emerge as kind of like how Felix Bautista and how Emmanuel Classe had done over the past two years, how Josh Hader, Josh Hader had done originally when he broke out, who come out of the blue, who have pitched well, and then all of a sudden, we're talking about them as a top five closer in two years from now. So, Rick, we'll move over to you for this one first. Who is uh, your favorite call for the next big breakout? Um, I think so. There's a lot of names here that I kind of like and could talk about. But I, it, for me, it's one. It's going to be one of the guys in Seattle, either Andres uh, Munoz or Matt Brash. I would give Munoz the the edge right now. I mean, he's he's when he's healthy, he's pretty much otherworldly. He's um, one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. So I'm kind of taking the easy way out here, uh, especially given how, you know, he, he's, well, he and Brash are both pretty young. So, um, yeah, either one, I think, has a, both of them have a bright future. I guess it comes down to who ends up being a closer there after Paul Seawald. And that's, you know, pretty much whoever that is, I think will be a dominant closer for them um, for a, while, a long time. Yeah, and I'll, I'll stay in the ALS. I, I think that's that's a good call uh, in general. I think Munoz was one of the first guys that I thought of uh, in in this uh, tier because he he's got such good stuff, and it's just like waiting for him to be the closer. And I think somebody else that fits that mold, where it's like, okay, you just have a veteran in front of you, and once that guy's gone, uh, is Brian Abreu. Uh, Ryan Presley is currently there; he's been there for a while, but his contract is coming up. I know he signed an extension through 2024 with a 2025 vesting option but that doesn't mean he has to be the closer next year especially as he's entering his age 35 campaign he's been really solid this year but i think brian abreu is the closer of the future there and every time we do like 
the leaderboard updates where we look at the advanced stat leaderboards. It's Brian Abreu is on every single one of them. He's incredible in terms of PLV, in terms of CSW. He gets a ton of swinging strikes, uh, super low ERA. This is a guy that's looked like one of the best relievers in baseball the past couple of years. I mean, he's striking out 37% of batters this year, pretty close to 38. And that comes with a walk rate that's just above 10%. And that's just like a, a guy who's underratedly one of the best relievers in baseball and underrated because he doesn't get saves. And so I think once he's given that role, I think it'll be pretty quick that he climbs up those ranks and is up there. And we're just like, okay, yeah, should have seen that one coming. But it's just, it's all dependent on Ryan Presley uh, bowing out. I really like that call. He's been someone we've touted for a little bit, even this season, knowing that Presley could get hurt any moment. He's been dealing with injuries in the past, so I really like that pick. Andres Munoz, he, yeah, he always finds his way into that conversation. Paul Seawall has been good, but we've been touting Munoz is coming up, so he has that breakout for sure in him. And I talk about pedigree with AJ Puck, so my pick's going to have that same former top prospect pedigree. It's Albert Azulay. We've been waiting for him as well. And this season, he's kind of taken that Chicago Cubs closer job. And as much as you can run with the job in Chicago, run with it. He's another one. You look at the PL, PL page and there's a lot to like, a lot to read there. XERA and you're happy to leave. Swing and strike rate in the red of 114%. K percentage at 28% in the 84th and, and among relievers. So a lot of good things to like. And Chicago, they don't have anybody. I know they have Estrado um, coming up the wing. So that might be the one thing to hold off on, but to potentially be concerned about for that sort of tier. But the pedigree is there for me with Alzheimer and they got Fulmer, they got Boxberger coming off their contract, only on one year deals. So why wouldn't they just keep the job with Adbert Alzheimer next year? And all of a sudden when the Cubs continue to improve, we're talking about him as a, a high end closer with that sort of stuff and that pedigree with uh, the Cubs continue to take steps in the right direction. Yeah. It seems like Alzheimer, he's finally kind of found his role and, I was very excited. I, I was, you know, super in on him as a potential starter, you know, the last few years. But he, he definitely fits better with only being, you know, mostly being a two pitch pitcher, you know, fastball slider. So he, you know, he's been great. I would like to see a little bit more strikeouts from him. But uh, yeah, you can't can't really complain about anything he's done this year. He feels like he has a high floor as a reliever, and I think you know he's definitely the least volatile of those that that Cubs bullpen, which does have some upside, but there's a lot of a uh, lot of risk to it as well. But I feel like he kind of evens that out and is their safest option. So, yeah, I, I think he, you know, looking f- towards the future, I don't see why they would uh, consider even removing him from the closer role as of now or, you know, I, I think he's a good fit for them in that role moving forward. So hopefully, hopefully that's, you know, where he can stick. And the final tier is the up and coming tier. These are the guys who, you know, waited in the wings, earned their spot, kind of like Timo Duvall, John Duran. Don't have the job right now. It's similar to the big breakout, but will work their way up and become sort of closers. So, um, Jake, we'll kick it off with you. Who is the next up and coming closer in baseball in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, th- this was the tier that I've been most excited to talk about. I think when I first came up with this, I think I had like this tier in mind and I had the Hall of Fame tier in mind. And then we sort of had to just like fill that middle. So it was sort of just like, who's the next guy that nobody knows about or have, we've seen r- barely any of in the majors that's going to be like the next big closer, the next guy we're super pumped about. Um, and I, I think they, I, had one guy come to mind immediately and that's Ben Joyce. I mean, as soon as we saw what he was doing in college at Tennessee, I think everybody knew this was the guy that everybody was going to hang their hats on as the next big closer. And while there's still a lot of work to be done, this guy's still only 22. He's barely thrown any professional innings. I think right now he's at just under just over 20 innings so far in professional baseball. And I mean, everybody knows if you know Ben Joyce, he throws gas, never, never throws a fastball below 100 miles per hour. He's uh, top of the list for next guy to break the fastball velocity record. And I think just the big thing is getting those walks down, you know, controlling the ball. And I think that'll come with age and he's got a long time to get there. And I think in two or three years, this is a guy that's 
going to be in consideration for being the closer of the angels and could be one of the best closers in baseball if he can harness his fastball. But I mean, that pitch is an 80 grade pitch if, if you've ever seen one. And so I, I think that sort of carries it, but yeah, I, I, I definitely like to see him be the closer at some point. We should definitely do two names in this tier too. Cause I think this one's really fun. <laughs> sure. We can do that for you. Rick, we'll give you go with your first name. Um, yeah. So just like with, jo- I mean, with Joyce, it's, it's what it's, uh, it's how you, like you said, it's walk rate and health pretty much for him. And I, mm-hmm. I'll mention, uh, this very similar reliever um, that's a little bit less talked about, and that's Abner Arebe for the in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. He was just added to the forty man this year. He just got called up to AAA, and he strikes out a lot of people. He walks a ton though too, so it's it's you know a lot of these guys. And, and we were kind of talking before the show. A lot of these like relief prospects. There's a reason why they're relief prospects and not starting pitcher prospects. There's either command issues they only throw two pitches or they have health issues it's one of those things so there's obviously some sort of you know red flag for relief relief prospects so you know trying to predict who the next big one is 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 tough but i, I think a rebase fits that joyce mold where he's got a 70 to 80 grade fastball he easily touches 100 miles per hour um his slider is a 70 grade mm-hmm. pitch so it's it comes down to command with him um there are some, you know, if they can get the command, just, we can get a walk rate around 10% or lower. There's just, there's so much to like here. He's got a big frame, 6'3", 225. And, you know, Devin Williams is a free agent in 2026. So he could be the next man up there as the closer for the Brewers once, if, if Williams were to leave. So uh, he, he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on um, as a potential, the potential next big uh, closer option. Great call. I, I like to say it's definitely one I had not had not kept too much in tune with. I had not heard much of Abner Rebe before brought up, and now he's. Uh, if I'm in a dynasty league, I'll be putting him right on the on the watch list. I'm, I'm excited to hear that. I'm excited to hear that. And for me, you mentioned that it's a failed starter turn reliever, and I think this guy f- perfectly fits that mold. And that's Nate Pearson. We've talked all season about. Jordan Romano and how we're not sure that his role is fully safe. It's a similar sort of category with these guys with Nate Pearson. He's got the fastball velocity to handle it. 98 miles per hour average fastball velocity this year. He needs to up the strikeout. Another guy who probably needs to up the strikeout is only 25% right now this season, but he doesn't really walk anybody. Gives up some hard contacts. That's something to work on, but he's got the fastball velocity it plays and it's another pedigree sort of plays its way out. And I could see him if Romano falters, because he's obviously a very good closer right now, but you know, he, he doesn't have closers concern after a while. A lot of teams burn and churn with that. And I think Nate Pearson has the pedigree, has the stuff to become one of those up and coming uh, relievers. And I'm excited to see what he can do in the next year or so. If he can take that job and run with it in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Romano is set to be a free agent in 2026. So he's got two more years. So I feel like, in that time, Pearson sort of solidifies himself as like the clear number two option in Toronto and then just takes over by 2026. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, All right, Jake, you wanted to pick two. So let's, uh, yes, I did. let's, get, your, let's get your second guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's so many fun options here. I, I'll go for the guy that I, uh, I did some research for in terms of looking through the minor league leaderboards. But Justin Martinez for the Diamondbacks is pretty interesting. He got called up to the majors recently he was up for two days and did not pitch at all but this is a guy that definitely fits the same mold that we've seen with ben joyce and abner Uribe, where he strikes out a lot of guys but he walks a lot of guys he's got a really good fastball it's more so like a, a 70 grade pitch I, I don't i don't think he throws as hard as those two but he does throw really hard and the craziest thing i did mention that he made the majors already he's only 21 years old he's been in the Diamondback system since he was 16 where he came up as a starter and he's recently transitioned into relieving and the strikeouts are there he's he's pitching pretty well but the fact that like he's on the fast track to the majors right now where he's pitching he was pitching at AAA as a 20 year old last year and has only pitched in AAA thus far this year as a 21 year old and while he's walking a lot of guys he's like a 30% strikeout rate guy and so I think just having that 
to build off of where you got a good fastball, you've got multiple good secondaries and you're 21 and you're going to be getting tutelage from not only a major league coaching staff, but other major league pitchers, Mark Melanson, that's what he's there for. Um, Justin Martinez is definitely somebody that's interesting that I don't think many people have heard of, but once we see him pitching for a couple of years and they're like, Oh dang, that guy's pretty good. I wonder how old is it? He is. And it's like, Oh man, he's been in the league for three years and he's 24 years old. Wow. Like, there's there's so much uh, potential there to to build off of. Yeah, I I there's a name I I know I have stashed away in a couple dynasty leagues. Um, nice. As a you know 21 year old already making his debut at the MLB level, that's you know pretty pretty legit, and he does you know have big time stuff. It's it's just you know again one of these these younger relievers. It's it's hard to project how they're you know, command holds up at the next level, but Martinez is a, is a good option. I think especially he does kind of mix in a third pitch. So he's not just like a two pitch guy. He he really does have kind of a, an intriguing future closer repertoire to me. So, you know, almost like a younger rise Iglesias potentially. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was excited to see him called up recently, but then sad to see him mm-hmm. sent back down so quickly because, I think he could be a really big uh, difference maker potentially for the Diamondbacks down the stretch. Um, I don't really have... So I want to go with someone who's pitched... Let's see. He's almost at 50 innings already in his major league career. But um, lesser known name that I think people should you know, know about, and that's Andrew Nardi for the, the Marlins. Mm-hmm. He's still only 24 years old. Um, nothing really st- stands out as... as you know, doesn't have a plus fastball. It sits around 95 slider is a good pitch. Um, not, not like not the best slider in the game, but he, he's just been, you know, he's able to command the two, the two very well. He's started off slow. He, he had a, he had a horrible debut last year and in a few innings with the Marlins. And then, you know, he started off slow this year, but has been pitching really well as of late. Um, you know, you could argue he's been a top 10 reliever since May, um, and that's from, you know, in 22.1 innings pitch, he has a 2.07 XFIP and a 31.8% K to walk rate for 33.4% CSW. Um, definitely, you know, there's a lot of good lefties in that Marlins bullpen, but I, I think Nardi is, you know, one of, you know, I, I think you're going to see them probably, I, I wonder if Tanner Scott, this is a side tangent but tanner scott probably could be moved for another you know whatever else the marlins need yeah a bat potentially or something because you know you could use how scott's been pitching so well maybe use you know use that to go get yourself a bat so they have you know they're in good hands in that bullpen with as far as lefties go so i i think darty if if something were to happen with puck i i think darty could be the next closer there yeah, interesting call. Off the beaten path for sure. Yeah. Definitely not one I was expecting to hear, but you know, Miami is another team that's they got those up and they develop pitching. They have always done that, and I could see them finding that uh the next guy up. And I'll wrap up. I've mentioned Adbert Azali as a breakout for the Cubs, but if that doesn't work out, then Jeremiah Estrada can come up, get right up there in an up and coming tier. He's got the fastball that plays 95 miles per hour in the major leagues. He hasn't impressed so, pitched as well in his couple outings in the majors so far, but when he got called up, there was a lot of hype around him, at least in terms of uh, relief pitching uh, circles. So I could see him coming right back up, taking that Cubs job and run with it if he has that sort of stuff that can play. So, um, you know, Cubs are another up and coming team that I'm sure a year or two from now will be competing with the, can't believe we're saying it, but the Cincinnati Reds, maybe the Pittsburgh Pirates for that division. It's crazy to even think about that, but the Cubs are working their way in that conversation. And I'll, you know, I think Estrada can be a key part of that. Yeah, he was one of the best relievers in the minors. Um, Definitely seems like a guy that's closer to the future. I think the last time I, I saw someone in the minors pitching this well and then was pretty hyped for they de- their debut was like James Karinchak. So I, I feel like same vibe there. Um, I don't want to leave Gregory Santos out of this. He's on the other side of Chicago and he's actually younger than Estrada. 
Uh, he debuted at 21, so he's already been in the league for three years. And right now he's got a 2.70 ERA. He throws 99 miles per hour. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. He's very Bruce Dark Gratterall-esque, but his slider might even be better than his 99, 99 miles per hour fastball. And his uh, he has he's got a higher strikeout rate than Gratterall. So he's Gratterall, but I think better. And he's very underrated. I think he's the closer of the future in uh, the south side of Chicago. So if you have any of names you want to throw into these tiers, as always, you can find us on Twitter. Tweet at us, put it in the Discord. We'd love to hear some conversations, some guys who we mix, guys who you think can be in that in each of those tiers and uh, belong in this conversation. A lot of exciting names, a lot of uh, good things coming in terms of the reliever world down the line. So even when we lose the big names that we currently have, we got a lot come up and coming wings, and we all know how this works. There's going to be a guy who comes out of absolutely nowhere. No one's heard of him. Becomes the next Felix Bautista. Someone who's mm-hmm. not even being talked about for that tier. So I'm excited to see who emerges there. But let's wrap up the show. Like we always do. We didn't get to it last week. But another edition of Who's That Closer? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it away. Um, I, I feel like this one might be pretty easy. He's super low on the all-time saves leaderboard, but I feel like Rick's going to get this one pretty quick. Um, this closer played from 2009 to 2017. He's a right-handed pitcher, and he debuted in 2009 for the Orioles at the age of 34. He closed out 13 games for the Orioles in his sophomore year and was traded to the Rangers at the 2011 deadline. Then he signed with the Red Sox, prior to 2013 so that means he won a world series with them and that year he probably had his best season ever he had a 1.09 era to go with a 0.57 whip absolutely wild and that came with 101 strikeouts and 21 saves uh the span a six-year span from 2010 to 2015 this pitcher had a 2.08 era and a 0.77 whip so he was one of the best closers in baseball for more than half a decade and he wrapped up his career with one year in Chicago for the Cubs. Uh, this pitcher's accolades were winning the World Series with the Red Sox in 2013. That year, he finished seventh in American League Cy Young Award voting and 19th in AL MVP Award voting. Um, and he also made his only all-star team the following year, but that came in his age 39 campaign, which is pretty wild. So for his career, he had a 13 and a half baseball reference war with a 2.66 ERA, a 0.89 whip and 95 saves. Guys, who is that closer? It's an easy one for me. I'll, 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 I'll see if the Yankee fam knows, knows who I, this I, is. Yeah, I got it once it got to uh, sign up the Red Sox. I kind of, uh-huh. you know, playing some of the Mac Liquorid, you start to trace teams yep. with uh-huh. Baltimore, Texas, and Boston, especially winning the World Series. It's uh, it's Koji Uihara. Mm. Nice. Well done. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, uh, it's funny. To me, he was like only, like, it feels like he only pitched for the Red Sox. And like, I mm-hmm. forget about like the Orioles. And like, yeah. I remember him with the Rangers a little bit. But like the Orioles and Cubs, I don't like. Don't yeah, remember that, him. That 2013 that. season is bonkers. A 0.97 oh, yeah. yeah. whip with a hundred strikeouts. That's crazy. I still and he was like he was like 38. Oh, yeah, yeah, just splitter, splitter, yeah. splitter. Like yeah, <laughs> I, I still remember or just seeing the highlights of him getting that final out of the 2013 mm-hmm. World Series. Mm-hmm. Rick, I mean, you're the resident Boston fan. Do you remember who it was he got out? Because I feel like we all remember like that world uh, the world series who the final out is when our team wins but do you oh. recall at all which cardinal he got out i'd have to look this up now um that's a good question i don't i don't really remember i'm pulling it up now it is he's still playing in the big leagues now he's currently a san diego padre a padre uh, um oh yep there it is <laughs> yep. yep. I was gonna say Nelson Cruz um, before I knew it was the Cardinals, but uh, and then I was like, oh, Padres too. Definitely not him though. Yeah, it's yeah, it's always always crazy to see those uh, those final outs. But yeah, Koji Har he had himself some uh, nice couple of years. I never didn't even realize he was seventh in Cy Young. That's uh pretty nice, and the yeah. only All Star team at age thirty nine. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's crazy as well. Mm-hmm. But it was a good name. Another one who we have not mm-hmm. thought of. And that's what fun, what's fun about this, these games. But we'll wrap it up here. If you do have any questions, as always, join our PL Plus Discord. 
find us on Twitter. We're answering questions as often as we can. Relievers, non-relievers, but of course, mainly relievers. Guys, let us know where they can find you on Twitter and any other yeah. work you got going on. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, nothing new outside of all the lists I put out each week. Is, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and you can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter, writing for a picture list, doing a, a bunch of podcasts. Uh, you'll hear me all over the place on, on, on picture list and writing for Baseball HQ as well. And you can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com. Yeah, you can find me at Callan underscore Elslager. Not too much besides this podcast, but constantly hanging out in the Discord, hanging out on Twitter, talking some baseball. So I'm always willing for a good chat, especially to talk about how the Yankees have won three straight series. And we're back, baby. Not really. We're still uh, still got concerns, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it while I can. But so that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. We hope that this um, got some information, some guys to continue to keep on your watch list going forward. But we'll talk to you next week as we get into July. And if you are listening to this, hope everyone has a great and safe holiday weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>